you're listening to the Conscious Movers Podcast. I'm your host, Madison, and on this episode, I spoke with Sidra Bell, a choreographer from New York City. So listen in and see what she's up to. Well, I started in uh, New York City because that's where I was born. Um, a good reason. <laughs> yeah, I uh, grew up in Manhattan, and I went to independent grade school and high school in New York. So my mom and dad enrolled me in dance when I was about seven at the Dance Theater of Harlem, nice. which is mostly a classical training mm-hmm. ground. And uh, around the high school age, I decided to go to the Ailey School um, because my interests were expanding and I knew I was not going to necessarily be going into classical ballet so mm-hmm. I wanted to expand my base of information so I was at the LA school for two and a half years in high school and then actually after college I went to Yale University for college um, but choreographing came around my time at LA I was able to involve myself in some student showcase yeah, nice. work oh and you're in high school still I was still in high school making solos on myself. And actually my high school provided some opportunities to choreograph as well. And uh, when I was at Yale, I pursued it further through a student company I was involved in, Yale Dancers, and started really producing work on campus in New Haven. And I founded an organization called Alliance for Dance at Yale College that hosted symposiums and workshops. And so I just sort of went further into the producing and choreographic lens of my dancing mm-hmm. while still dancing yeah did you choreograph a lot for other people or did you include yourself in that um well I started off with solo work as I was saying but yeah. it, it became more of a director's lens when I was at Yale mm-hmm. I started to work with groups and producing events on campus and um sort of doing more curatorial work and teaching and so it just kept expanding out but I do involve myself in the practice of making movement so Mm -hmm. I still consider myself a dancer I just don't operate on stage anymore (laughs) (laughs) so yeah around that time of college and then into when I started the company in 2001 right after college I decided I really wanted to go further into just directing the work yeah do you like performing on stage or you really just like to be behind I like dancing. I think that being on stage is a really different brain. Mm -hmm. It definitely is a different switch that I think turns on for a performer, and it's a different kind of adrenaline than Mm -hmm. I have. I enjoy studio work a lot more. So I enjoy performance and, like, being around and in, like, the design team Mm -hmm. and working towards performance, but actually being on stage isn't really as interesting to me for some whatever reason or I think initially it felt like it was shyness Mm -hmm. um that was keeping me back but the more I think about it the more it feels like it's just my energy works better when I'm building the team around Mm -hmm. everything and I'm able to really kind of oversee the whole operation that is performance I like all that and I feel really charged when I'm around performance and and doing all that cool so you started your company right after college yeah how did you do that did you move back to New York then I moved back to New York I went back to Ailey actually to 
kind of get my body back into the rigor of training in New York again mm-hmm. and just insinuating myself in the culture here again. Because um, Yale didn't have a dance program when you were there, right? I didn't have a dance program. I did a lot with dance there, but it wasn't a conservatory style yeah. experience. So I just wanted to insinuate myself and just sort of be around choreographers and teachers again and mm-hmm. and get to be in the New York culture again. But I knew almost right away that I was going to be making my own work. Mm-hmm. And I happened upon um, a community center through my mom, one of my mom's colleagues had a connection to community center in Harlem and they uh, offered me the space for free, basically cool. <laughs> called the Joseph B. Kennedy center. And, uh, we decided we were going to produce right away. So the fall after I graduated, I produced an evening length show. <laughs> a lot of my friends from Yale were in it and mm-hmm. my parents are musicians. And my dad actually put together an ensemble of live jazz. So it was live jazz and dance and it was great. I mean, it was really like a sold out success right off the bat. That's awesome. And um, it just kind of further affirmed that I really wanted to be doing not only producing work, but also working in the community and being able to sort of integrate all these elements of community building. So I also taught classes at that community center, kind of in exchange for what they were giving us with yeah. the space. And Is then it just kept unfolding. Yeah. <laughs> so you've continued working with community stuff then, yeah? Yeah, a lot with teaching. Um, on and off outreach work, um, more so aligned with like the company work. So when mm-hmm. we visit a city... I will teach community classes or I've done um, last year I had a really great opportunity to go to into a um, juvenile detention center, Mm -hmm. which was great working with um, young boys and dance. And so that kind of thing, working in alignment with uh, the work of the company on tour. Yeah, we went to Boston last month and I taught in a elementary school um, and did a bunch of talks. And so I, I, I do a lot parallel to like performance Mm -hmm. and um I'm glad early on when I first was starting to produce I had to kind of do a lot of teaching Mm -hmm. to stay afloat with kids and I taught in public schools and so I have a lot of experience teaching but now you know it's sort of more aligned with the work of the company Mm -hmm. so do you like teaching kids what's I do yeah no it's what's different about it for you well I think teaching kids is really um, been the most informational because mm-hmm. you really have to think on your feet with children um, because of the way that they're taking the information in mm-hmm. is so immediate and definitely working with different ages like I've worked a lot with five and six year olds and then kind of more 12 13 year olds is every age is so different because uh-huh. they're developing yeah. and I think that that's been really interesting now, as I have all this information about teaching different age groups, thinking about development, and it comes into my process now working with professional dancers, because mm-hmm. sometimes we may drop into a developmental improv or something that feels like more child child's play. And mm-hmm. so it's been definitely important part of me growing as a, not only a pedagogue, but just like thinking about movement yeah, and what that is at different stages. And then even thinking beyond that into various populations and um even into aging the aging Mm -hmm. process so I like all of it have you taught older people as well 
definitely yeah um when you do when you go on tour and this other experience in Boston too we had to teach a kind of mommy and me type of class so the whole company we did it together it was really (laughs) fun um I actually had the company members lead it kind of co-lead it and that was really fun and so you're kind of dealing with other bodies in that Mm -hmm. situation not only the kids but their parents and how they're interacting trying to do both at the same time yeah (laughs) yeah and I've taught senior citizens before um not consistently but I've done workshops and then the work with inmates you know that you're working Mm -hmm. with such a range the work most of my work with inmates happened when I was dancing with another company mm-hmm. that did a lot of educational work. And so I was working with um, the director of the company of Avada Dance Ensemble. Her name was Joanne Tucker. And she um, she still does a lot of work with inmates. But um, basically, we went into the prison system and worked with female inmates of different mm-hmm. ages all over the map. So that was really informational. And I was part of the team there working with improv with them and um, a lot of dialogue work. And so I've kind of done it all. I've worked with break dancers. I've worked with actors a lot and actors also such a span there Mm -hmm. of range and ability and information. So, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, what was, what was the experience like working with inmates? With Avada, the company I was dancing with, um, it was definitely very, um, transformational for me, mm-hmm. just thinking about the language of dance and how wide it is and okay. how important it is, especially when you're working with women that have come from so many different circumstances. Mm-hmm. And it felt a lot like they were retouching parts of themselves, mm-hmm. you know, being in an institution like that. And, you know, for them, it was transformational and very emotional. So, I came away very changed and it was very emotional and a little dark at times, Mm -hmm. but I think it really charged a lot of how I think about working with people and how vast the language of dance is. Um, But it was, it was intense, you know, (laughs) it was really intense, you know, you're taking all the energy in. And I think as a teacher in general, you're always taking so much energy in. When I Mm -hmm. teach a workshop, even just to professional dancers, I feel so drained after because I'm like outputting so much information and the way that I teach is very like streamlined. Mm -hmm. So I never stop talking and it's a lot of, um, experimenting and thinking and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very rich process, but it's also very draining in a good way. Um, so I always have to kind of, after I finish, take a, like an hour or two just to not even sort of engage. Yeah. But that was what it was like in that situation mm-hmm. because there was so much energy and so much information and so many stories and situations. But it was definitely so worthwhile and it really changed how I teach. No, that sounds incredible. And you said a lot of teaching goes like into your repertoire for development of projects? Definitely. It's um, parallel and hand-in-hand. Hand. And mm-hmm. even today in rehearsal, we were teaching each other. <laughs> So I will give company class, but it's very much sort of um, it's like I call them sessions when I'm working with the company Mm -hmm. and we'll start with something that's really coming from me. But it really ends up being this sort of circular dialogue where we're giving information to each other, either games or ideas or um, movement, um, 
today it was a lot of exercises actually <laughs> we're just giving each other and like doing shared um stretching and so it's it's all kind of circular for me and I like that um the dancers have a sense of my teaching process mm-hmm. and sometimes they will come with me on a commission or um a process with universities and that's really always so um satisfying to like be able to watch them deliver some of the ideas as well so it's all one process and also because mm-hmm. I'm only one person so yeah. <laughs> I have to, to use these experiences to really feed like the choreographic process yeah. and it's it makes it just more rich I think mm-hmm. to have all these ideas from across the country coming into this studio yeah yeah that would make sense why like it would be so draining after a teaching session just because you have to process it all and mm-hmm. put it together but what what do you look to explore through dance that's a huge question. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I was thinking about it today because I'm making a new piece right now. And sometimes I feel like I have to do everything in one piece. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I have so many ideas and so many so many things happen on to me, at least emotionally on a daily basis. That it definitely feels like diary a lot of the time. And mm. so I'm pouring out a lot of that into the studio was for me the studio is a safe place to do that and then at other times I'm like well I I have many more dances to make (laughs) and you know it doesn't all have to happen now but it feels Mm -hmm. so immediate all the time that sometimes it feels like it's what I'm trying to say is too big Mm -hmm. um but it definitely connects to my personal experience of change and development and thinking about um sometimes very abstract ideas like right now I'm working with subliminal language Hmm. and movement and that's a really abstract idea Mm -hmm. to even think about on stage how are you finding ways to use that it's interesting because i think i just arrived at it a few days ago that that's what i'm talking Mm -hmm. about um and thinking a lot about form form is a really important aspect of my dance making and it is to everyone but i think i'm constantly trying to search for language in the body and as I keep going, it feels sometimes more limited, like I'm repeating a lot. And then every now and then I'll arrive on a new pathway and it's like so profoundly different or seeing it translated through another body is so different. So mm-hmm. it is infinite research in that way, even if it is repetitious, um, because it's so movement is live. Mm-hmm. And so it's always different. Um and so I, I've arrived at this idea for the new piece and it sort of seems big, but now I feel like I can fill it in, mm-hmm. in a way. So sometimes it goes in reverse like that, like the title and the idea will come kind of post a lot of researching yeah. with just movement and abstract like form in the space. So I'm not sure where it, where it will go, <laughs> but I think there's something really interesting about um, the subliminal aspects of dance because I think it's hard to avoid story in dance because we're bringing our stories yep. to the moment of the studio process. So there's always story. Mm-hmm. It's just not always codified in the way that I think sometimes audiences or culture wants it to yeah. be. And it's mysterious and um, 
that's why I love dance. <laughs> the mysteriousness of it. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I love the mysteriousness, mysteriousness of movement and ritual and um, what that says and what that can say if really observed. Mm-hmm. So when you create dances, you don't normally have like a narrative to go under it, I assume? No, I don't. And I mean, sometimes I've arrived at narrative through just following Mm -hmm. myself. (laughs) So there are works now that are in our repertory that feel really codified as story. And so when we enter back into them, they're never the same still because different bodies will be doing them at different points depending. Mm -hmm. But they're definitely like pieces that have dramaturgy and like you kind Mm -hmm. of have to follow these characters and when they age you can kind of get more perspective on that as you keep visiting a piece so there some of those pieces have been around for like five and six years though so it took that long to get to the point where we said oh that is that piece that's that world so I think over a period of years if if it has longevity Mm -hmm then you arrive at what the narrative is and then that's always changing because of context and and again that's why I love live performance because contexts are always shifting so mm-hmm. no matter where you are you're doing a piece like we did a repertory piece in Boston two repertory pieces and they felt completely different because the audience visited a new so they've never seen it before so there's that interaction and then there's time and place and then time and place is just continually changing and it's again infinite so (laughs) I love that about live performance yeah how does it feel to like redo a repertory piece as like a director of it it feels good now um I mean I don't like to go through each little shape (laughs) Mm -hmm. um I'm working more with like rehearsal directors and Mm -hmm. people that can coach that aspect of it because Mm -hmm. that's not my wheelhouse really Mm -hmm. Um, I do like making movement and I like generating, but somehow trying to like sort of elicit exactly where something needs to be feels really stagnant to me. And even those that are coaching the works, they're not approaching it in that way either. It's more Mm -hmm. like thinking about the ideas of what the like psychosomatic space was that developed that moment. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it's like visiting an event again and trying to go through all the entry points um and when I coach it usually the whole structure is like set out like the dancers will learn some from video learn from some from the rehearsal director um and then I will then coach and like what are you not what are you thinking about this is what was thought of and this Mm -hmm. is where we entered into that moment um and that goes down to even just like what you're wearing too and you know yeah where you are in space and how you feel against the audience. And so there's a lot to coach and I'm Mm -hmm. liking that process more and more now that I understand how to direct Mm -hmm. better. So it's, it's definitely, I think I'm getting better at it is what I'm saying. Um, how, how have you grown your company? How has that process been? It's, uh, again, continuous and it's Mm -hmm. something that, I commit to every morning (laughs) Mm -hmm. when I get up and that's always interesting to feel like you're starting again. Um, I think with a company too, you're really, it's not, um, there's so many logistical aspects of it, but because it's dance and art making, you're dealing with so many other 
aspects like mm-hmm. family building and community building and so that's what I think keeps me in it because I love that aspect of it that it's not only just about like the brand and I actually believe in branding because I think you're, we're doing that inadvertently every day so to really like take hold of it is much more productive I think mm-hmm. but on the other end you're also dealing with people so <laughs> that's what I love about building the company and I think that I've really sustained myself over a period of like 15 years because I started when I was so young because I have always been concerned with team building. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just me. It's really everyone contributing to the work, which is bigger than all of us and thinking about ideas and um, inclusion of everyone's ideas and Obviously, they're from a singular source, which is me, but it's it's expansive. Like, we can all take hold of that in a way. So I've, with the artists, I think that's what's always been so great about the dancers and the company is that they're really committed to it, and you mm-hmm. can feel that, and it's not just about me. And then organizationally, a lot of um, help from my family Um with my mom and dad have been very instrumental in supporting the work and their artists as well. And just helping as consultants and guides for Mm me. And, uh, another big part of it is just, um, just the like support from the community of art makers in New York and globally. And I've had a lot of organizations that have really been behind the company Mm -hmm. And we've really, like, cultivated those relationships in a big way, so... What sort of organizations? um, Presenters and um, teachers and, you know, people that end up being your mentors Mm -hmm. and that continually support you as you grow is important. So really, I don't know, define that and recognize when when you find an important relationship to really nourish it. Um, so that comes from both directions, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the team of interns that we have has been just always so incredible. Um, and particularly over the last five years, there have been numerous, I just counted the list the other day and like <laughs> over a hundred, maybe, Whoa. <laughs> maybe not over a hundred, but close to it. I have to count it again. Cause I'm, I'm actually, we're going into production for the New York city season, this week so (laughs) so I was counting and you know thinking about who could help out this year but um it's incredible like maybe 70 I think that was the number of people that have volunteered their time and believed in the work as well and it's not just about interning it's been about them also taking agency in the process Mm -hmm. and so even down to like guiding me and consulting with me and I am asking their opinion constantly and I I need constant feedback too. So it's like, (laughs) I always love having friends and people that are involved on the team just there by my side and building the sets and assisting the production manager and everything. I mean, everything that's happened, especially in this big period of growth for the company has Mm -hmm. been a lot due to the team of interns that have just really willingly and generously volunteered their time. So it's, it's incredible. I mean, that's again, why I love and what keeps me sustained is like knowing that so many people have invested in this. Mm -hmm. How was like looking at the business side of it when you started your company? I think I was pretty business minded from the beginning. Um, 
again, I started an organization at Yale called Alliance mm-hmm. for Dance at Yale College. So I was sort of getting my chops um, in producing at that point. Like mm-hmm. I hosted events on campus that were like conferences and symposiums and performances. And that's kind of where I sort of knew, started to know that about myself because it was it kind of came to me in a backwards way because I was so shy. I didn't know I had that mm-hmm. ability to communicate in that way and to like really take hold of a team. Um, but I've always been really good, especially in letting people know about the work. Mm-hmm. I have never been shy about that um, and advocating for it. Um, again, I think sometimes inadvertently we're branding and I think that word is really scary for artists, mm-hmm. but it is a word and it's what we're all doing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I've kind of never shied away from really talking about the work and creating imagery around it and to some extent doing artist profiles and it's all been kind of organic in the sense that I'm also really interested in the people I work with. Mm-hmm. So it has never felt separate to me. Um, so on that end, I've always been really curious and experimented with ways of letting people know about the work. And I've always had a newsletter, even when there was very little access to email. Mm-hmm. I've, I actually, the other day we were archiving stuff in my house and we found letters I had written to people, like actual letters typed out. <laughs> And that was just really entertaining to see like, oh, it's been this long now. Yeah. Like it was went back to like when I still was typing letters out on letterhead. Um, That's the crazy thing I found about <laughs> working at older dance companies mm-hmm. is the archives. Yeah. <laughs> There's like always a period where everyone, they had emails, but they still printed every single email out. And yeah. Just like kept it forever. Yeah. And you're like, you don't need this anymore. It's I just found some of those too. Nothing. Well, I like correspondence. I still do. Like there's something about touching correspondence yeah. and... I mean, some of those things, I think, probably are deleted somehow. So we, my family in general, like my grandfather was involved in early film, for instance. And cool. so like I, we've always had a computer. We had like one of the original Macs. And like nice. my dad's a musician. We always had a studio in our house. So that's kind of part of like the way I was brought up to always like video and record and mm-hmm. sound and stuff. So that's kind of innate in me. The harder part has been getting uh, foundational support and now that's starting to happen which is so amazing and I still can't believe that it's happening because it's been just sort of going thinking about it and going towards it and now I'm getting the mentorship I need to really secure some of that foundational support and I have an agent now and so like that kind of stuff it's newer Mm -hmm. and that's an even bigger team than (laughs) I've ever had because we've always had the sort of grassroots team but now having people that have the ability to guide me towards bigger infrastructural support has been really great in the past four years when we started getting presented more and so it's great it's just a process though and Mm -hmm. again I think it has to be organic to you yeah and there's no right way in the dance world because we're all so different (laughs) I think you just have to find your own rhythm and Mm -hmm. What you can't skip is, like, the experiment. Yeah. Like, you can't just jump to the branding Mm -hmm. or jump to the image. You have to really go through your process. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I've always tried to stay connected to. As the business aspects grow, I still have to go into the studio and bow to my practice (laughs) and, like, do that every day, which is really interesting. And, you know, there are some days where I just feel like I can't move, but I 
just go the physical act of walking into the studio is really important mm. and you can't get lost in the business part of it because we're I'm an artist <laughs> yeah so yeah it's one of those strange fields where you kind of still have to advocate for yourself even if you've been doing it for 15 years yeah but it's defining too. Yeah. It's a good thing. Um, I think, you know, maintenance is really just important for me because making movement is still really important to me. I think when I become really disconnected from that, then I probably would shift to another aspect of mm-hmm. the world of dance or art or direct directing. Um, but right now, like I've just been really thinking this year a lot about maintenance and, um, how to sustain my physical practice in a more in a healthier way so saying no comes up more and and just really being careful yeah how do you uh do any collaborative things like with your family being musicians Mm -hmm. you said you started out working with that has that been something that's played out yeah a lot of collaboration with my dad um we did a number of collaborations this year the boston festival that i was talking about we brought back a piece that he composed in 2011 called Shrines, and we were able to work with Music Connects in Boston, and they had a um, string group play for us live. So that was great cool. to bring that piece back and then be able to do it. It was a really exceptional group of musicians. Um, and he's done three commissions for me this year on schools, so Cornish College, Long Beach at Cal State, and Dallas Black Dance Theater, which premiered last night, <laughs> the second company. Cool. So a lot with him musically. Um, and now I'm working a lot on this new project for 2017 called Monster Outside with a band from Sweden. Hmm. And so we're being, we've been collaborating on the idea and the proposals going into this project. Um, and just the language around it and we went to Sweden I took one dancer to Sweden in January to like start the studio process Mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot of transatlantic travel um so that's a big collaboration coming up and then just generally like I said the dancers are very collaborative in the process Mm -hmm. and I work with my lighting designer I've been working with for five years and he's very instrumental in the design of the space and the Mm -hmm. decor of each work that we develop because right now I'm really just interested in evening length works with the company. Mm-hmm. So he's someone like from the very beginning, we talk about what we want to do. Yeah. And that's what's happening right now with this piece. We're kind of, it's, this piece is really, really nascent <laughs> in the sense that like, I haven't given myself as much time as I normally would to mm. develop it, but it's kind of nice to have this sort of two month block and it's like, we're just going to do it <laughs> and experiment. So he's designing it. Um, but yeah, I've done a lot of collaborating that come to think of it. Like it's always been a collaborative Mm -hmm. kind of infrastructure that I've been working in. And I think that that's why it's been so sustainable because it's always been about other people coming in and like helping or designing costumes. There's a piece I did, um, beautiful beast slash review. That's kind of like the same piece, but, um, there were, there was one, a performance artist named Dakota Scott that I collaborated with a lot on that piece just from a design point of view and what they were wearing and he brought in a lot of people there was some of it was like lent items some of them were design it was just this whole explosion of like wardrobe so that was really fun so I'm, I'm always I like collaborating yeah 
I mean, you talked about like curating from the beginning, and that's kind of what collaborating is. It's just curating this awesome piece together. Yeah. It just happens to all be in the exact same piece instead of... And not even the piece. I mean, yeah, the piece, but also the people involved. Mm-hmm. Like, I love people. I know that sounds really weird, but <laughs> like, I just get really kind of fascinated with the things that people bring in, whether it's their, like, politic or their, like, sociability or just the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why the dancers are so different. In the co- like, if you look at a histoire of the company, dancers are all so different because mm-hmm. I just love the, how eclectic it's been and that they bring their sensibility into the work is really exciting and it charges me and it, it teaches me a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very cool. Um, did you, so you said you grew up and you danced at Dance Theater of Harlem. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do any other types of art? I did uh, visual art growing up. Oh, cool. um, and something I'd like to return to because you kind of give things up as you get more involved in a certain mm-hmm. kind of practice. But when I, through high school, I did a lot of drawing and painting and um, I was pretty serious about it hmm. and did like advanced placement like portfolio work and um, worked a lot with charcoal and oils. Mm-hmm. And I think it's definitely my sensibility is painterly um, in the way that I choreograph. Um, but I didn't pursue it professionally, but it was definitely throughout my growing up, uh, a lot of studio work in that way. And um, there's a big strain of not only musicians in my family, but people that also were very good visual artists. And um, I sang when I was younger in my dad's choir, um, a secular choir that toured and did a lot of it was called Rock Spell, actually. Nice. So he worked a lot with um, the choir that sings on U2's I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For is his choir. Cool. And we did lots of unique projects like that, like collaborative projects with um, chorus, but not in, in a secular way. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, so you, <laughs> I assume your parents were very supportive when you were like, I want to go dance. Yeah, they were. I think that it was, you know, there's always a fear factor thinking about how your child will sustain. Mm-hmm. And especially something as nebulous as choreography, it's like, what is a choreographer? Now I think mm-hmm. there's more like identity behind that and it on a, into itself, like the idea of a choreographer is something that culture can identify mm-hmm. with more, maybe through like, so you think you can dance or something. Yeah. I mean, really, that's probably what it is. Um, but at the time when I started, it was more typical for people to just have a longer dancing career, performing mm-hmm. career. And so I think there was a little bit of just not fear necessarily, but concern or just thinking about like, well, <laughs> what is this that you're yeah. starting? You know, And it was, it still continues to be nebulous in my mind. It's like every day again, I wake up and say, what is this thing that I'm holding on to? It's like, if I let go of the strap, you know, it just will float into space. So that's, that was interesting, but they were always very supportive. And one of the things that I was really raised with, not only from my parents and just like being in their studio practices Mm -hmm. as musicians, um, but they also gave me the right schooling like I went to very progressive schools mm-hmm. that the concern was with the making process and I think it's very unique for people to understand that making is the goal 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I get asked a lot, well, what is your goal? I'm like, this is it. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to start living my life at a certain point. I'm doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that my parents always understood because that's what they have always done. So yeah. I think it was more them just being concerned about like sustainability and it's something I'm still really thinking about like as I'm going to this next part of my career yeah what did you study at yeah I was a history major cool what sort of history um it's really I mean I went up to speak last week at Yale actually and I was like <laughs> did I go to any classes I was like, <laughs> you know you have that feeling like what did I learn um I did a master's tea where you go back like they bring people back to talk about their career um no, it was a history is like an open major and mm-hmm. it's like you take electives and yeah, I'm an American studies major. Which yeah, is like exactly the same thing. <laughs> no, and I ended up focusing in American history and ultimately did my paper on the Harlem Renaissance. Um, cool. It was just funny going back and like my <laughs> editor came or he like I was back in touch with him. He came to see the talk um, and I just remember him like trashing my paper and and. <laughs> And saying that it was just like not great, you know, but it's great to go back and then like have that connection to those teachers that you had. Mm-hmm. It's like forget my paper, just remember <laughs> who I am. No, it's really it was really great. I mean, the fact that he even remembered me, I was like really yeah. you know, happy about that and he's been following my work and That's super cool. Yeah. But no, I mean I had a great time at Yale and you know, I did pretty well, but I think the majority of my experience was like really investing in the student life with Mm -hmm. with dance actually and you know doing a lot in the New Haven community with teaching and Mm -hmm. um it was just it was a great experience a great place to go to school and it's it's really great to be back involved with it again now (laughs) I taught in the New Haven community with children um because there are many little pods of art Mm -hmm. you know it's unlike New York, but there, there's definitely like the Arts and Ideas festivals there, and hmm. um, there the Yale School of Drama is excellent. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of art there, just with dance. Now it's growing, and it was great to go back and also see that um, yeah. they have a dance studies program now, and that was something I was trying to get started. So it's happened in like ten years, you know. Yeah. So it was it was just a great place to go to school. Yeah, a few months ago, I went and talked to Emily Coates. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I just so, met her like yeah, two weeks ago. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed talking to her, and she told such cool stories. Mm-hmm. But I'll plug my own thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's interesting to talk to you before any of that started. So you started the Dance Alliance. Yeah. And that was just sophomore year. Really freshman year, I had a conversation with another Yale dancer because I was in the company the student company Mm -hmm. you know I was just I really created it for me maybe (laughs) because you know I'd made this decision to go to Yale and I loved it and um you know there's something energetically that I just loved about the campus and Mm -hmm. but then I was still divided you know dance was still a very important aspect of my identity and I wanted to figure out how to bring more of a formal situation to Yale that would could give us more curricular opportunities. Mm-hmm. And there were seminars always, like maybe one every couple of years in composition or something. Yeah. Um, but the Alliance for Dance at Yale was established to lobby, basically, and you know get the administration to recognize dance as something you could study. 
and uh, the first symposium was in my sophomore year, and I invited like Carmen de Lavalade and different people up to do workshops, Gus Solomons Jr., and just a lot of different notable people that I knew from just mm-hmm. growing up in the city. And, yeah. and I, I just did that for the three years. Um, the organization still exists as an umbrella for all the like dance companies mm-hmm. now, and now obviously there's a dance studies program. And so it's just, it was really amazing to see the imprint that was left there and that it's still sustain, sustain, sustaining and doing um, more and more. And I actually got to sit on, on one of her classes, uh, like dance and physics class, mm-hmm. and that was really interesting and it was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I first read about her dance and physics class, I was like, is this really just going to be, because Columbia has a physics for poets, mm-hmm. which is really just super easy theoretical physics so you don't have to do any math and I was like I hope it's not just that but <laughs> yeah there was oh. something like that that I took at Yale it was what was it oh no I think it was astronomy it was like something oh, like yeah. <laughs> where you could just kind of get out yep. <laughs> like. I tried to do that taking stats without algebra but stats without using any math is like impossible to understand because none of it makes sense you just have to accept it all and you're just like nope <laughs> yeah I mean I think there's an element you know again what makes dance so unique is that you have to bring yourself to the mm-hmm. moment and it's I like comparative work um, but again there's nothing that can replace the moment where you're in your body and doing that thing and because not only is it physical but it's emotional and it's all these things coming together in the body and so it's just it's so unique in that way mm-hmm. um, I mean any art form any performing art it's something that includes your experiences which is not only physical but um, historical and emotional and and so it's the studio work just always has to be there <laughs> yeah dance is interesting in that way but I think a lot of it too comes from just the fact that you, there's not many opportunities to like dance it's not something did you have it in schools growing up because I know some New York schools have dance programs. yeah well Spence was my high school and mm-hmm. they had actually a really good dance program um and I participated as much as I could because I was at ALE and DTH, mm-hmm. and those were, like, really rigorous in the sense <laughs> yeah. I had to leave school early even for those um, in the day. But, um, yeah, no, it was a great dance program. We performed at Symphony Space every year, and cool. um, good teachers. I'm thinking back, and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm doing exactly, you know, <laughs> like, those teachers are probably the age I am right now, you know? <laughs> and they were all pursuing, probably doing the same thing mm-hmm. in New York and hustling and making work and stuff. Um, but it was a good program, and Bank Street did not necessarily have a dance program. It had a really good folk dance program in the gym, like, Whoa. program. And cool. that was really unique, and I think definitely informational, too. Like, they had a lot of – we sang a lot, and we had this show called The Revels, actually, and it was all based on, like, the winter solstice. It was, like, replacing, like, a Christmas cool. sort of situation. So, yeah. I just had a unique upbringing. Like, I grew up in the city, you know? Like, there's, even if there wasn't dance in high school or, like, I would have had access and I was already yeah. placed in these situations. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's it's something I hope that, you know, the arts and education in our country just needs to always be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just lucky enough to not have to worry about those things. Yeah. Well, and it seems like you're paying it forward in that way. And mm-hmm. I hope so, it. yeah. I mean, I don't know where I'll end up. Like, at some point, you know, I think my gift is probably in ideas. Like, I'm really 
good at bringing people together and creating bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I need to be a nomad right now. Um, mm-hmm. Like I don't want to necessarily land anywhere and build a program right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I like, I like consulting almost. Like I've been visiting Europe mm-hmm. even um, the past two summers in Bulgaria. And I've been doing these three week like immersive workshops and, you know, sort of engaging with people in that rigorous way and then kind of going back to where I, you know, it's for me, that's the best way right now. And for instance, with that Bulgarian project, we're bringing a student this way Mm -hmm. and she's going to be with the company for like three weeks this spring. So I like that. I like the transatlantic exchange right now and I need to be mobile (laughs) to do that. How did you start that partnership? That was through one of my colleagues, Mariah Weathers, who used to be at um, Dance Theater Workshop and the New York Live Arts. And she's been a really big supporter of the company and always given me a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. We were at DTW and Nyla um, as in residence. Um, and they had a program called the Suitcase Fund, which now is under the Trust for Mutual Understanding. Mm-hmm. And the whole trust for mutual understanding creates these like collaboratives between a United States artist and kind of maybe an area of the world that's somewhat underserved in like contemporary dance. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of understand it. There's contemporary dance in Bulgaria, but like training mm-hmm. was the thing that I was kind of sent there to do with yeah. these students, um, multi-generational, but like just bringing more information into yeah, this new ideas, new ideas. Exactly. So the place Derrida dance center partners with the trust for mutual understanding and America for Bulgaria. And actually the first year I did it, the company also went and performed. And so it's just this big, great network. Um, and it's an exchange situation and they've brought other artists that I've known as well. And it's a great program. And, uh, hopefully, you know, next year we'll go back that way. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think about the audience much when creating or perf- no, well, watching your performance on stage? Not performing, but I do think about it. I think that the frame is really important to develop, and I'm not thinking about whether they'll like or dislike it. Although that definitely comes up emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking more about what their experience might be when mm-hmm. they come into the space and what that experience is from beginning to end. And that's really it right now. Mm -hmm. Like what I think about when I'm starting to work on these evening length Mm -hmm. experiences. And I sort of, today was talking about too, to the dancers, like we were working on this section durationally and just bringing up the idea that performance is not a test. Hmm. It's just a shared ground where you're sharing experiences with Mm -hmm. a viewer and that can you can reverse the agency in that situation too you could be viewing the audience so it's for me it's not a test and I think too often we get wrapped up in valuing or placing value on Mm -hmm. things that shouldn't be important when you're in a communicative art form and so I've, I've tried to kind of coach myself into remembering that more often. And it's really helped a lot to be less concerned with the ideas of good and bad that are traditional. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that there's definitely a level of quality that you want to establish yeah. <laughs> when you're making something. I mean, you want to have 
whatever your idea is, you want to feel the integrity behind that. And so thinking about integrity has also allowed me to like sit more comfortably with time, Mm -hmm. for instance, Mm -hmm. that it's time is stretchable and compressible based on the objectives of the moment. Um, and so I've, I feel like my work has more patience now because of that. And it's something you have to kind of daily practice as yeah. well. It's like, it's okay again, like I was saying earlier, not to have to do everything in this one second. <laughs> um, because I am a person, I like generating, I like complexity and I like busyness, but there, you know, I think there's real value in just waiting for yourself and letting something establish itself as needed. And then, you know, playing with that time frame is really interesting on stage but like, yeah like you were saying earlier it doesn't all have to happen at once yeah time for or ever really I mean yeah. it's just like there's a time and a place for everything and it's really hard to practice that because you almost there's this like feeling of having to do everything I think it has to do with the economics of the field too and rushing mm-hmm. through and I think my most successful works have not done that because mm-hmm. I've been less concerned with needing to get it all done somehow mm-hmm. a lot of that came from self-producing in the past five years too like I've done a lot of self-producing and so the economics of that have helped me to really be more clear about my objectives in each show that I put up because yeah. I can't do everything <laughs> it's only you know so it's great <laughs> yeah and it's nice not to have to do everything yeah I, I, I'm really appreciating that more and more and in the studio too I think one of the things that I try to cultivate in each session is like really sitting in an exploration a little bit longer than feels comfortable hmm. as well. Yeah, that's cool. That's very <laughs> cool. I really like the idea of being patient with it because mm-hmm. I think that's something for me moving here and like the training I had it was like the one to recitals and it was very much like I got yelled at if I didn't do it right and just like that that of course will make you not want to like perform mm-hmm. because that's way too much pressure for a person. Yeah. I think you can only, I mean, you can push yourself to the limit definitely. And that was something that came up in the studio today as well. It's, I think that the boundaries and the limits come from the inside and that's kind of the athlete's mentality a mm-hmm. little bit too. I mean, obviously in competitive sports, there are expectations but I don't think that's what drives the athlete, mm-hmm. like really good athletes, people that really like in and I mean, because if you won one medal, you'd be satisfied, you know, like, yeah, it's something else that drives you. And I think that's yep. same for dancers, because you're putting yourself through this crazy thing every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's some other sixth sense or like continual hole that you're filling or something that came up yesterday in the studio like how deep is the hole it's endless Hmm. um so that's just really interesting to me and I think that that's like again what fascinates me about working with people because there's just so much there and like it's endless Mm -hmm. and uh, everyone's different in that way yeah and you can different goals and yeah and you can bring that to every moment they're on stage and one of the reasons I've liked having longer runs in a show too, because we've been for the past five years, our seasons have been like six to eight shows. Hmm. And I think that's been a really important growth spurt for the company because we realize, Oh, we have a few more nights to drop into this. And I think mm-hmm. that that's just like emotionally good for the dancers. 
I think one of the bad things about the dance field is like because of the economics, you're not really to have able to sustain as long as you might yeah. like within a process or a performance series. And it really takes that long to drop in though. Yeah. Or longer really. <laughs> like I wish that we could do a month of shows, but it's just mm-hmm. I've had to kind of draw a red line in the sand about like what conditions I will allow my work to be done under and one of the red lines was like we need to have a New York City season every year and it needs to be this long um I mean luckily I have the support now to do that and but it it took a few years to like kind of make that a consistent thing Mm -hmm. like in the beginning I asked the theater I was like can we have two weeks and it was crazy (laughs) (laughs) and they said yes you know but I think again you have to make those definitive kind of stances in your own practice and like take a risk basically well and if you don't make those stances no one's going to do it for you so yeah so yeah it's it's been I mean I'm a risk taker definitely but you know when I first asked the question I was like he's not going to say yes but he did (laughs) and then it it definitely changed the um rigor of the company and like how we operate and what we're going towards every year. It's like, no matter what we're going towards this season and it's like, you know, it's a different kind of sustainability, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about your work being reviewed? Just cause you've talked so much about like it's ideas and personal and mm-hmm. it was hard when I first got my like first real reviews and that was actually the DTW seasons. <laughs> it was rough. I mean, I think, I'm a very sensitive person at heart and although, you know, I'm very objective and I can be analytically, I understand what I'm doing, but I mean, the emotions come up when Mm -hmm. you're kind of working so intensely and putting so much of yourself into a project. Mm -hmm. It's not only just the dance, it's like you're putting everything into it. Yeah. Um, So those first rough reviews were really hard when I kind of, had been making work for a while under the radar and then like that's a very big stage to be on and so you get those first like notices and it's like not good um but it's part of the field and you know you just have to read between the lines as well um and just think of the larger lens that it sits in and I've gotten really good reviews too. I mean, I think for the most part, a lot of the reviews I get are more observations Mm -hmm. if they're leaning towards a good review because the work is mysterious and it's, it's dark and it's odd and, um, it's not meant to be put under codified Mm -hmm. lenses. Um, it's experiential so one, the more I understand that about my work, the better I take a review, mm-hmm. good and bad. And I've actually really liked some of the reviews that have been what would be considered negative because it says a lot about the work and like it kind of in its statement defines the work further. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's, it's been like fortifying in a lot of ways. And I think my collaborators, again, have been so amazing and just being so committed and not being defined by those things and the more adversity the stronger we get somehow (laughs) so that's really interesting and uh, it's a perspective on your work yeah it's really like thought out and put on paper so it's just information it's just you know it, it just is information and 
I think where reviews get hard is like when you know that they're preventing you from getting more support. That's yeah. where it gets to be like, when you, you know that the reason you may not be getting this opportunity is because there's a fear factor. And I mm-hmm. think that it's hard because I think audience building, you know, I think everyone, I've learned this more and more the more I've been presented by uh, venues is that it's a team effort and it may just not be the right timing for the economics of what's happening in that city or like, you know, they can't get the audience there and it's, mm-hmm. they may love your work, but like they just can't do it. Yeah. And some of that may have to do with reviews, you know, but not a lot. I don't think, I think it's just like generally the economics of dance <laughs> yeah. because I think in the end, at the end of the day, like, we have a lot of control as artists to frame what we're doing. And so I have a lot of confidence in my ability to audience build and communicate with my audience directly. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media too. Um, and just being a little bit more like directly in line or directly communicating with my viewer. Um, so I think reviews need to be there. I think they're helpful. Um, in the sense that dance needs to be written about. Mm-hmm. But it's a catch-22 for artists. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I don't have any other huge questions. Is there anything you want to bring up? No, that was fun. Cool. <laughs> I okay, well, I have one last little fun mm-hmm. question. Um, what is a song that has made you happy lately? Oh, so many. I have, like... <laughs> such a big playlist of songs. I have a, I have a playlist called favorites. I'm not going to say which songs they are, but, um, a lot of them are like kind of, uh, I would say the listening experience is really vast in the sense that they're minimalistic and they like, they open the space of your mind up a lot. So I have a list of songs that I always visit when I need to like kind of open up porously. Um, a song that I've been... Oh, I mean, I love R&B music, too. <laughs> like, I've been back into Luther Vandross lately. Hmm. Because his voice is so sweet. I don't know if you know Luther Vandross. No, but he passed away, like, maybe in 2002. But he's one of, like, the seminal R&B singers of the, like, late 70s, 80s. But he's kind of, like, late disco into R&B. Nice. But he has such a, like, instrument. And his voice is so sweet and his phrasing I think that's what I really appreciate about each Hmm. choice that he made vocally was like a decision and that's something that I really like go for in my dance making is like the phrasing in the body is very important to me so Luther Vandross lately it's like he's been always been a favorite but then I've just dropped back in like Mm -hmm. the past week or so and it's been like oh yeah I love this so much nice cool I will check it out yeah you should cool (laughs) thank you thank you look in your eyes and there I see just what you mean